at least 10 plus years in the code switching life, didn't even realize that I did it and then didn't even realize that there was a word for it. Even the way that I would dress, I would never wear hoop earrings. And then feeling and being upset with myself because I didn't look like the rest of my peers that were in the office because tengo cadera, I have hips. So I always felt that I couldn't belong even though I tried so, so hard, right? The changing of the language, the not using the certain makeup, only using certain makeup. No one ever told me but me feeling ashamed about it and then dieting to the extreme of, oh, I just need to look the way these women are looking. And now it's the complete opposite where I embrace everything that's different about me from corporate. Hello, Clever Habits Tribe, and welcome back to Season 6. Today we are with Giovanna Rosales. This is going to be interesting because a lot of the Latinos that we've had on, they've been the first generation to come over, but not the first generation to be born here. So we're going a little bit deeper into what it means to be American and Latinx, Latino, Latinidad, all of that great stuff. So Yolanda, thank you so much for being with us here today. Gabby, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited uh, to be here and to be part of your community to give my insights to your tribe. Um, yeah, and then like me be part of this tribe now. Warn you ahead of time, there will be some Spanglish because that's just how we roll, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so let's start, first of all, with your podcast, Giovanna. It's actually written in a Spanglish way, Making Leader Moves podcast. So you're going into season three now. Tell us a little bit about why you started it and what it's about. Yeah, Making Leader Moves, which is L-I-D-E-R, accent on the I, translates to leader in English. And the reason why it was formed was to normalize topics that aren't normalized in our culture and our cultura within the Latinx community. So one of the episodes that we talk about is normalizing therapy. I was in my early 30s when I started therapy, and it was because it wasn't almost accepted in the house. It was something que los gringos hacen. It's something that the white people do. It's something that you don't bring into the house. Another topic that we have is normalizing your financial journey within your mid-30s, being firstborn as well as first-gen. Whether your parents ask you or not, your first job, you're just giving back to the house um, because that's just innately what you do. So that's how we started off. However, season three is going to be very, very personal. It is where we are focusing on women of color, their disabilities, disorders, or chronic health conditions that they have. And the reason why this is very personal to me is because I was diagnosed with a disorder in March, but I knew that I had something wrong with me 20 years ago. So I think a lot of the women that I've spoken to for season three, which kicks off during Hispanic Heritage Month of this year, weren't diagnosed until later on in their life, whether that's late 20s, late 30s, mid 30s. And so I just want to shed some light and shed some education onto that because one, it's not talked about enough. And two, you know, if you don't know what you might be suffering through, you might be suffering in silence for a very, very long time. Unfortunately, that is the norm. And a lot of that has to do with the stigma of e either language barrier or do they really even know what they're doing? All this trauma doesn't come out of nowhere. 
really looking forward to hearing it and also being part of it. It's something that people of color have to deal with in general, but women of color have to deal with even more, which kind of brings us to our next point of how discrimination or even what we call code switching affects us in the workplace. So first of all, could you explain what the code switching is? It, depending on the environment that you're in, trying to fit within that environment. And if that means changing your lingo, changing your style, changing your appearance, at least 10 plus years in the code switching life, didn't even realize that I did it and then didn't even realize that there was a word for it. Even the way that I would dress, I would never wear hoop earrings. And then feeling and being upset with myself because I didn't look like the rest of my peers that were in the office because tengo cadera, I have hips. So I always felt that I couldn't belong even though I tried so, so hard, right? The changing of the language, the not using the certain makeup, only using certain makeup. No one ever told me, but me feeling ashamed about it and then dieting to the extreme of, oh, I just need to look the way these women are looking. And now it's the complete opposite where I embrace everything that's different about me from corporate. Yeah. What helped you to make that transition? I know it didn't happen overnight. I ended up losing my corporate job during the pandemic. And here in America, you know, you are your job title as well as you are your income. And I lost both simultaneously. And so I became very, very depressed and went down a dark hole. And I knew that I was searching for something when I was doom scrolling on social media. I just didn't know what I was looking for. Slowly but surely, I found these amazing women that are now my closest friends who were challenging the status quo and breaking their own barriers and going through their own transformations and them reminding me, you know what, yo, you're amazing. And, you know, your super beautiful that is are what make you you. It was my beautiful olive brown skin. It was my amazing, you know, Incan and Mayan brown hair. My brown eyes that are, you know, the same color of earth. And I think just being able to meet these women in these safe spaces and these authentic spaces where you can become vulnerable and be your authentic self and really come back to grounding yourself within corporate America and, you know, trying to achieve this whiteness, you, you, you start erasing a lot of who you are, like reframing your brain and just remembering who you are and where your roots came from and not being ashamed, but embracing that and honoring that and paying tribute to your ancestors for giving you such a beautiful skin colors and insights. I'm not going to, well, I wasn't going to say Wakanda forever, but <laughs> well, just say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that last movie that they had, that blew my mind because it was like, I know it was stereotyped, but it was a lot of the African cultures in Wakanda. And then all of that stuff with Namor, where they had the, the ancient, uh, I think it was Aztec or Maya culture. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're speaking the language and they have this stuff. I love it. I love it. I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm still behind, but now, but now I have FOMO, so I'm going to have to watch it later on this week. You've got to see it. Marvel is really catching up to the fact that the world is getting browner. They got a black Spider-Man, black Latino Spider-Man. 
And a bad guy that is not just Latino, he's indigenous. That's another thing that some brands need to catch on to. It's just kind of like, okay, that's very nice. You have some Latinos in your thing. Very nice. But they're all Mexican or Puerto Rican. Not all Latinos are Mexican and Puerto Rican. Have you ever run into that before? I would like to say 99.9% of the time I always run into that. And even with amongst, amongst the Latine culture. Oh, what part of Mexico are you from? And it's like, bro, how, wait, what? How, how about we stop? How about you ask me where my family's from? And if you still don't really know where that's from, I don't mind pointing it out to you. I don't mind giving you a little education one-on-one very quickly. I am half Central American and half South American. So my dad's from El Salvador and my mom is from Ecuador. And so I grew up with two different cultures in my house. Usually, again, we mostly focus on the Latinos from Mexico or the Caribbean. And then we also focus on the Latino experience in California, Texas, and New York. So what is it like being Latino in Chicago? Well, here it's actually predominantly Mexican as well as Puerto Rican. And there are a few Ecuadorians there on this like north side. I live on the southwest side. So it's very interesting. I actually was in L.A. for about two years. And I remember when I was in L.A., it felt very, very different than being here in Chicago and being a Latina. I felt more at ease. And I think it was just because I was a lot closer to my people. And I will say next year, so May 2024, is actually going to be the first time that I go to El Salvador. So that's going to be pretty amazing because I know it's going to be a very eye-opening journey and experience. The first time that I went to Ecuador, a lot of my questions were answered. A lot of why do I speak different? Why does my grandmother dress different? Why do we have certain beliefs? Why is our culture different? The pieces of the puzzle just started snapping into one another and I was able to see the bigger picture. So I'm really, really, really excited to see the other half of me be complete in, the, in this puzzle of culture and of heritage. Well, that sounds really cool. What would you say that some of the big biggest differences are between your your mother's South American culture and your father's Central American culture. So with my mom, I always had to address her, you formal, whereas then with my dad, it could be more casual. So for example, with my mom, I always had to use usted. And with my dad, sometimes the tú or the vos comes out. With my father's side, that's what I'm really, really excited to go and discover because all of my father's side either lives in Canada or lives in El Salvador. So that's why I also think when I was in L.A., the connection was was very strong for me because I haven't been part of that. Whereas in turn, you know, I grew up with my grandmother on my mother's side. So, you know, hearing the lingo, seeing the customs, even the food within itself. Um, was very different. So I wish I could have more of a comparison of how they're they're different. The only thing that I really have is just the way that I would address my parents and then the different lingo. Yeah, well, we're talking about different lingo, you guys. If you're thinking about, well, it can't be that different. Yes, it can. <laughs> In Latin America, just by itself, there are several different words that mean popcorn. 
There are several different words just for that. So yes, you can. Exactly, exactly. Like, and that was another thing, right? Like um, when I was going to school, you know, they would say, they say Paloma, I think. And I was like, wait, isn't is it isn't that a bird? Because for me, popcorn is ganguil. And then even my mom, mm. right? It's funny because when she talks about when she was dating my dad, pupusas, when she was first introduced to them, she told me that she didn't like them. And now it's funny because when my tia comes and visits, my mom's always like, so are we going to make, like, are you going to make pupusas? And I'm like, wait, you're, you're the one who's asking for these? And so it's just funny how she has embraced that part of my dad. She's learned to embrace his lingo. She has learned to embrace his word. She has learned to embrace El Salvadorian food. It's come full circle. And I know she's really excited. So when I go to El Salvador, it's actually going to be a family reunion. And she's coming along. I know she's beyond excited to also go see where my dad grew up. I know that when I had gone to Ecuador the first time, as I mentioned, like it just a light bulb had gone off and all the pieces of the puzzle were coming together and this masterpiece was was being built in front of my eyes. If anything, I came back even embracing my culture even more and realizing that I am very different than most of the Latinos here that are around me. And that's okay. That's what makes me unique. That's what makes me me. And moving forward with it. Going a little bit into the history of Latinos in the U.S., first of all, the Spaniards had colonies in the U.S. before the English and the Dutch did. That's number one. Then most of the Southwest used to be Spanish colonies before they were part of the United States. Centuries of history right there. For Chicago itself, a lot of the Latinos started coming around the time of the Mexican Revolution, so around 1910. And then there are a few other waves. The latest wave has been the 1990s, early 2000s. I know a lot of my friends, their family moved to the U.S. around that time when there were a lot of wars in Central America and some instability in South America as well. Just in Chicago, there's a lot. There's about 800,000 Latinos in Chicago. 27% Latino just in Chicago. I mean, I know Mexicans have their little barrio or their neighborhood, if you will, and it's called Little Village, La Villita. And then Puerto Ricans have their own neighborhood as well, and it's called Humble Park. And they have a big, it's a Puerto Rican flag, and it's actually made out of metal. You drive through this flag um, when you go through Humble Park. And then for Little Village, La Villita, they have a sign in Spanish that says, welcome to La Villita. And same thing, you, you drive through there. This is a bit of a loaded question, but is there any discrimination in between the different nationalities? I haven't seen it personally, um, but, but I'm pretty sure that there is. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the case. That's something that if you're listening to this, most of our listeners are from South America, especially in Colombia and some in Mexico as well. That's one thing that I wish we could get over as people of color. It's, I call it crab syndrome. There's a few different cultures and different languages that they have the story of a fisherman who caught all these crabs and someone said, shouldn't you put a top on that bucket? It's like, nah, they'll just pull each other down. 
People of color, we are doing that to each other. We need to make a bridge to help each other get out of the bucket, not pulling everyone back in. And I totally agree with you because if we're too busy pulling each other down, then the wrong groups are in charge of our destinies, right? And you have a lot of people that are still worried about, you know, Mexicans versus Puerto Ricans versus Salvadoreños versus Colombianos versus Ecuadorianos, like, and, and the list can go on and on and on. And because we're so busy comparing or we're so busy trying to tear each other down, there's policies that are being put in place against all of us. There are laws that are being placed against all of us. We need to start banding together and realize, like, this isn't a comparison game. Like, we are here to win. Like, we belong here. And we all belong to the same community. There is no time to compare. There is no time to be like, well, fulano lo hace mejor, right? Or I'm better. Or she's better. Why don't we spend our energy in realizing what we're really good at and just start collaborating? Because I have seen women win in their businesses post-pandemic, Latina women specifically, once they start collaborating. And I'm one of them. I've been able to create this great group around me of Latina women who have shared resources, have shared tools as entrepreneurs, as women of color. This is a prime example. I have a really great, great friend. Shout out to Paula Pinero. She on her LinkedIn has different resources and tools that she shares with her comunidad, which is primarily women of color, Black and Latina women. And she wasn't here hoarding that information. She wasn't here just being like, well, if I make it, then I'll share the resources out with everyone. Like she's just trying to get the word out there and make sure that everyone wins. And so I did a post and I gave her her kudos, you know, and then that's another thing, just giving people the recognition that they deserve. And, you know, writing that on my LinkedIn, like I got accepted into this program. It, like, thank you, Paulette, for putting these types of information and resources and tools out there because you're educating us on different things that can help accelerate our careers and our businesses. And she's literally doing the work of making sure that we all win. The power of that right now, you have four different Latina women that are going to be part of this program that are going to be able to, in the future, create other business opportunities for other women. Because if we scale our businesses, what does that mean? We're going to have to hire other women, right? I'm either going to have to hire a graphic designer, a social media manager, a virtual assistant. But this is creating jobs. This is creating jobs for our community. And you keep the money within your community because you need to see your community grow and do better for itself. This is why there is no time for comparison. This is no time for I do this better or it's me or no one. This is where you take your strengths, hone in on those strengths and let other people know this is the value I can bring. What can you bring? And let's make these moves happen. Yes. Excellent point. And I've also want to mention even not just amongst the Latino community or the Black community, we also don't want to forget our brothers and sisters who are Asian or direct from Africa or even from Europe. I just had a discussion with an Iranian-American entrepreneur a few months ago, and he said the problem with a lot of minorities is they work in their own little silos. They just want to work with their people. 
at the beginning, that's nice because everybody feels comfortable is what he said, but it's not a recipe for long-term success. It's hard to continue innovating if there's no real diversity there. So you have to just make sure that you're taking into account all of the different diverse opinions and taking that extra step to include them. That was a great educational moment because that is true. You know, you do try to do for your people and that is great. But at the same time, how much growth does that bring? That's a gem that has been dropped that I'm going to take with me and keep that very present and now be even more intentional with things that I do moving forward within my business. So I, I appreciate it. And thank you. Is there anything you want to say in closing, Ivana, maybe to the little teenagers out there or other first-gen people who are behind us in their early 20s? They're still trying to figure out how do I actually fit in between those two worlds? What last bit of encouragement would you give them? 20s are like one of the rockiest roads of all time. You and I were talking prior to being on air and there's a lot of things that are going great for me professionally, but personally, there's a lot of things that I'm carrying as well. And so trying to find that balance and just accepting that I'm human, you know, that there's going to be really great days for me. And then there's going to be other days that are pretty yucky feeling. And that's okay. I think we get very, maybe not confused, but we get disillusioned with scrolling on all these social medias and seeing your friends, seeing your peers, seeing your colleagues make all of these quote unquote big moves and you feel that you are left behind. You're going to get to where you want to get to eventually. I didn't start making the real moves that I wanted to start making until about a year ago. And that's okay. And I also had to learn to not be on social media as much because I started comparing myself to a lot of women entrepreneurs that are there. And that wasn't serving me nor them. You only have one life. And sometimes I feel that we're too programmed to say it's either this or nothing. You deserve to rest. You deserve to enjoy the little things in life. And it doesn't always have to be this big, glamorous thing. But once I decided to open up my own business, it was really scary because I was pivoting into something completely that I had never done before. My parents don't really maybe understand it, but they thank God my parents are supportive. I was blessed to have really amazing parents. They're like, we we don't necessarily understand what's happening, but, you know, go do you. I help build online communities. I, I thrive in it. But right now, I'm actually taking a course for AI, again, having to do with the success talk. It's you can only do this. You can only focus on this. But we're human beings and we're multidimensional. So I'm going to go ahead and do these courses on AI while I'm still community building. Please make sure to find your own support group. And I was able to find mine through um, various social media channels, through Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. Times get tough. Times are hard and, and you need to be able to rely on others to help you get through those hard times and those rough times. Yeah, that's very important. But Ivana, thank you so much for taking the time to educate us. Can you tell us where we can find you online? Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me. I was super excited to be here. I'm still excited. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're ending already. So you can find me at Yovana Rosales. 
You can also find me on my podcast. Again, that's Making Leader Moves, L-I-D-E-R. We're found on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, all the podcasts. And if you want to see the facial expressions that I make along with my fellow guests, uh, you can always find us on YouTube. Okay, cool. So I'll be adding links to all of those in the show notes so you guys can access those. By 2050, about 19% of the U.S. as a whole will be immigrants. That's even more than the waves from the 1890s and the 1910s. That is just one thing that I would ask of you all as we're going into this next phase. Get to know your neighbors, learn about their different cultures, ask them about their background and get to know them as an individual because we're gonna need a lot more patience moving forward. But as always, thank you so much for your time, everybody, and for staying with us all the way till the end. This is Gabby V for Clever Hybrids, and we'll see you in the next one.